We are Squawking Dead, a podcast pulverizing episodes of the Walking Dead universe. Sometimes we give you news, sometimes we make you laugh, but most times we go deep. And today we're talking about Fear the Walking Dead's fifth episode of season seven, titled Till Death, Honey. <laughs> yeah, it's the Dwight and Sherry episode, everybody. Oh, Samari asks, hey, everyone. By the way, <laughs> you had a good day. <laughs> yeah, we are Squawking Dead. We, ha- we always have a good day, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> Squawktastic. <laughs> Squawkerific. It's squamazing. <laughs> Squawktacular. <laughs> I am so glad to be here with you guys. I mentioned before we got on that I'm so glad that our notes are sparse. Uh, it allows for better conversations, uh, more wacky, off the wall, tangenty conversations, which I mean, look, in podcasting worlds, a lot more preferable. It's not always great to, to have a script, you know? Sometimes you just have to go a little off script. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed all the clips we made from our Mo Collins interview last week. And it's kind of great that Mo was able to have her episode right before her, her husband's episode, quote-unquote, where yeah. Alex, of course, shows up as a villain. It, it's kind of great that they come out, come out one after the other. And for a second there, I thought we were going to get... Uh, uh, them in the same episode, but there was some confusion <laughs> when it came to when it came to actually getting that information. It was like T Walking Deer World was like he's an account basically. He was like, oh yeah, we're gonna see Alex in the next episode, and I was like thinking, oh next episode, did we miss the next episode? Like <laughs> what? Do we miss his appearance in this ep- in the episode Mo's episode? Because my this is where my brain's going. Right. I, I'm like he, no, the next episode on AMC Plus, meaning not this episode. So goddamn confusing, my fucking god. So, and I think we're all sort of starting to make that mistake too. So yeah, you know, it, when the next episode comes out, well, not technically yet. So stop posting shit pertaining to the week after his episode now my brain is just mush now trying to keep all this straight yeah it's yeah. this is like how much punishment can we take before this is all over I, 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 all I, of it we will take all of it I, <laughs> fucking timelines i don't see yep. that we have a choice <laughs> nope, no <laughs> fucking timelines fucking the season <laughs> <laughs> June's holiday tunes. So if you don't already know, you're going to take your favorite holiday song and adapt it to be Walking Dead universe related. Now the catch is you have to mention June in the song. June Dory. Um, June Dory. She's got to be mentioned in the song. Doesn't doesn't have to be all about her, but she has to be mentioned in the lyrics that you rewrite. Send a video of yourself singing the song to Blazy Gardner. These videos are due by November 17th. Now, Friday of that same week, we're doing the drawing for Secret Santa. So if you want to be a part of our Secret Santa video, let me or Sharon know that you want to be a part of that so that we can get your name on a list and you will be part of that drawing on Friday, November 19th. That's right. Yes. So you have the drawing is to sign yeah. the yep. characters for that you will be gifting your Secret Santa gift. We have on deck several cast members who are going to be in it with us. Some of whom have never mm-hmm. been in a Shutter Shades yes, production. This, this will be, some of them will be new, yes. It's going to be great. Yay. Mm-hmm. Oh, and uh, the, the prize for the June's Tunes contest oh, is yes. um, a signed Believe in June t-shirt, like Rachel has on, signed by uh, Jenna Elfman. Yeah, baby. It's great. And yeah, it's a random drawing. You participate in the June's Tunes thing for the fun of it, but... As a cool incentive or a cool thing to have for the family for participating, there'll be a random drawing for people who contribute. 
So I think yes. it's going to be great. Just so we don't like, you know, we don't want to do things under false pretenses. We want to say, oh, well, you know, because you did this, you're going to get that. Well, no, it's do it for the fun of it. And then, you know, as a cool little, hey, yeah. how about we spin that wheel? See who gets this, pr-? right? So right. that's kind of good. Also, the, um, the winning video will also be in the Secret Santa. Oh, okay. That's a cool new thing. Where do you think, where do you think it'll show up? Like just smack dab in the middle? <laughs> who knows? It'll be a surprise. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> I, ne- I won't know until I get everything to edit, so I don't know. Depends on what the song is, too. Where cool. will it fit? Where will it sound the best? Yeah, I'll probably edit this part out, but... Uh, are are we going to put all the tunes in a in a in a video in a single video yes. or okay cool yeah. I like it to enter the June's tunes you have to sub to Squawking Dead on YouTube right. yes that of course I forget that for entry mm-hmm. I do too <laughs> mm-hmm. that's a requirement yeah. for entry sub Squawking Dead I just on YouTube. assume everybody already is yeah. Yeah. yeah sub Squawking Dead on YouTube you don't have to follow our social media accounts but the YouTube is is really important but it's good to follow uh-huh. our, our accounts uh, just a small little blurb about the merch store. Uh, what's great about shopping at our Squawking Dead merch store, you can get there, by the way, if you go to squawkingdead.com, click the main menu at the top left and click merch. You don't have to buy anything from our store to help out the podcast. If you know of another creator or you want to look for some cool stuff on Public, use the link on our website to buy that thing because when you do... Uh, we earn commission. You know, it just helps support the podcast. So if you if you're planning on doing any T public shopping, go through our link on a website on any given video. I say this because it it also gives us commission extra commission on our stuff. But if you want to drift away after you put some of our stuff in your cart and buy stuff from other people's stores, that also helps us out. And it really, really makes a difference. Oh. We have some really, really cool things in the merch store. I work really, really, really hard on these updated designs and art. I will be actually, hopefully, continuing to work on some of the art. Some of them just feel a little off to me. Uh, I'm talking about mainly the um, Fear the Walking Dead Season 6 art concept as well as the walking dead season 10 concept art something about it i i even when i was doing the graphics for season six i had modified it so that the background would suit the uh screen cap of the intro uh, the title sequence uh to kind of adapt it so like for every episode there'd be another one so i need to kind of make that background transparent so that when we when somebody chooses a color for that particular shirt the color of the shirt will be in the background and it'll show as the background so i kind of want to do that so i'll be continuing to work on the art i will update everybody as it goes but but please take a look at the merch store there's some really 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 cool things there and hey comment if Something feels off. And, you know, we like compliments. We're human. <laughs> Mario wants to know if the merch shop will ship overseas. Yes, actually. Uh, it's good actually question, Mario. good question, Mario. It does. And in most cases, the shipping comes faster in the UK what? slash Europe than it does in the US. It's really, That's really crazy. weird. Yeah. It's cheaper and it comes faster. So give it a try <laughs> if you are overseas from the US. Um, see what comes up. Uh, because they have shipping centers all over the world. And hey, you can always participate in any one of our giveaways, uh, like the one we just had. We announced the winners not too long ago. We will ship it to you no matter how much it costs anywhere around the world. You are worth it. Thank you for listening, especially motherfuckers in, Aust- in Austria, because I-, I-, I don't have the charts in front of me right now, but like we're, we're doing super well in Austria. We're starting to do better in Canada. Uh, it- it's... 
pretty amazing. Uh, look, it's awesome. Not, it's not the best. It's not, obviously, it's not the best. But it's when I see things it's like something. this, it's great. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's awesome. I'm not expecting the best, but uh, somehow <laughs> we're, we're cracking like the top uh, top 200 in Canada for some reason. In TV reviews or TV and film. And then in Austria, in multiple categories, especially in episodes. Oh, we cracked a new one. Uh, a new country in one of the episodes, and I can't remember which. It was our Walking Dead World Beyond coverage, by the way, 162. Ooh. Yeah, so that cracked like uh, within the top 10 of, of whatever. I can't remember the exact country, but it was, it was in TV and film or TV reviews. So, uh, how did you feel about this episode, Rachel? Because I say Rachel because this <laughs> episode reeks of like that whole principled nature of people like what it means to believe in principles are good are good guys being good guys are bad guys being bad guys but there's a little bit of crossover obviously and there's a little bad to do doing yeah. bad to do good sort of thing but what did you think of this episode it seemed like in the pre-show you were like really psyched to talk about this one because you weren't quite sure whether yeah. you liked this one more than the last one and i would have said bite your tongue <sighs> Anyway. It's it's tough. I'm just yeah. I mean, they were both really, really, really great episodes um, for two for completely different reasons too. But this I, this episode 705, I absolutely loved it. Uh, Sharon and I were talking pre-show too, and about how fun this episode was. Like it just had like a completely different like pep to it almost. I love love seeing Strand. I <laughs> wait. Hold up. Hold up. Do you know why it has he... a bit of a bit of pep to it? Lenny James directs this one. It was written one. that way. Lenny James directs this one a little. Yeah. And Aisha uh, Tyler. A little? Yeah. Yeah. The whole thing. Sorry. Oh, he, Lenny directed this episode. Yeah. Not just a little? Not just a little. Yeah. The whole thing. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool. That's cool. Lenny, I, you know what? I didn't know that, but great job, Lenny. It was, it was absolutely wonderful. I really, really, really enjoyed it for a lot of, like you were saying, watching our good guys be good guys, right? And I was also saying pre- pre-show how I am starting to come around on Sherry. I don't quite despise her like I did. And this episode definitely helped six. with that. Yeah. Yeah. I see her having a purpose now. I see where they're going to, you know, take a potential storyline. Um, and I really like it. I like that she is taking everything from her past, everything in her history. She's learned from it. She's carrying it with her um, and, and applying it to everything that she's doing. I mean, I the first time I watched this, the fact that... Um, Strand called his place a sanctuary right over my head. Didn't even catch it when he said it. And then Sherry brings it back up and I went, oh, he did. Oh, my gosh. Like, the yeah, fact that, that you're calling you know, that, that kind of stuff. makes me not want to yeah. live here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, and then I, I did start seeing like a lot of the similarities between Strand and Negan and, and stuff like that. But I was really I've been excited for a few weeks now to see Aisha. Oh, you know, Okay. And then a few days ago, we found out about Alex, which made me even more excited. And I'm just like, oh, my God, hurry up and show me this episode already, because right. I just I, I need it in my eyeballs. So. <laughs> I need it in my eyeballs. Like, yeah, but it's great to see two comedic, two comedic actors in the same thing, but not sort of being comedic well i mean it's kind of like the mo collins effect a, a little, little. Bit. yeah a little I a, mean, a little yeah you're yeah. right there is a little bit of that going on right yeah it, mostly with <laughs> alex i i think i think yeah yeah, yeah. But, I, well i think for us that kind of gave us a little extra fun boost because we knew yes. it was alex you know? <laughs> yeah i was like this guy's fun because normally we would have been like oh fuck that dude but it was alex so we're like oh yeah. it's alex look looky what i got here Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
<laughs> TMYK slash ZNAF podcast reference. Is it is it bad? I, I recognized him from the ankles. I'm like, oh, I've seen those in Crocs. <laughs> Alex? Just, just yeah. make, be clear. Okay. Yeah, Ale- Alex's ankles in Crocs. I've seen, I've seen that. <laughs> we're, we're calling the other guy Wayne just out of convenience, right? Because yeah. Yeah. I, we, I mean, it's, it's, Poor Wayne. Poor Wayne. I don't know. Is it? Is it him? I don't know that it is him. No, but even if it's, it's not, not him, it's Wayne. <laughs> it's yeah, just we're just calling him Wayne. Did he have a name? Did the other guy have Wayne. a name? I don't it's Wayne. So. It's Wayne, not Wayne. All he said was, <laughs> "Yeah." All Alex said was, "Like you killed my friend." You yeah, but I don't think you he killed gave my him a friend, name. My podcast yeah. and co-host. <laughs> the other name he says was like Millis, Milus, Milus, Milus. Or Milas, but we right. never even, but we never even met that person. No, Sherry and Dwight killed them before we even showed up, <laughs> which was just like oddly glossed over and ominous. Though. Like it was supposed to be more ominous, ominous than than uh, Eli makes it sound. That's that's, his, that's the character's name, Eli, not Alex, not I'll Alex never and Wayne. That. It's Alex. It's Alex. <laughs> it's Alex. <laughs> it's e- well, I can't forget because my father's name is Eli Eliyahu. So it's oh, okay. okay, which well. is kind of cool. I mean, I agree with Rachel. I thought it was just a lot of fun it was a fun episode especially compared to the first four because they've all been kind of kind of serious heavy yeah and heavy so yeah this one was this one was even though it had its serious moments and i'm gonna talk about that Mm -hmm. because there was a whole (laughs) lot of parallels in this episode that make me feel very uncomfortable the the when they were taking out all the walkers and the wrestling that was hilarious and strands laughed when he realized that (laughs) sherry and dwight were the dark horses I want that laugh to be my text tone. Yeah. <laughs> I want to hear that every time I get a text. One. Well, like, your other one is like a, of a guy. Your current one is of a guy suffering, isn't it? Ah! No, my current one is um, Negan. Little pig, little pig. Oh, really? Whose text yeah. tone is that then? I know I heard that before. Um, you, may be, you may be remembering my general notification tone, which is Rick going, <laughs> yeah, that might that might be it. I can never yeah. quite make it out. Obviously, obviously, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Wow. It's Rick screaming, "Carl, Carl!" <laughs> that's Carl! how it's, that's how it yeah. sounded to me. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> it's yeah. Your your general notification is of a guy suffering. How can you? <laughs> yeah, Rick. Oh, it's Rick. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because notifications that's make me suffer too. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> They're there. They're just like on my screen staring at me and I have to get rid of them all. Wouldn't it be great oh if my, my ringtone was, or sorry, my text tone was mom? Like, so- <laughs> <laughs> that, wouldn't, isn't that great? Mom. Like, mom? <laughs> Sam, uh, Sam, was it uh, Dodson? Was it uh, Major Dodson? Yeah, it's Major. Sam Anderson? Mm-hmm. Great. I just think of all the times I message you every day and if it's like, oh, every time, every time I message you. <laughs> Oh my god i'm gonna stop <laughs> well god. my my phone i do have all these noises set to to go off but 95 percent of the time my phone is on vibrate and it doesn't make any noise at all so <laughs> so which one would which one would you set to strands laughter T- probably the text tone i okay. could get rid of negan <laughs> definitely not discord definitely not discord can you imagine Dis- Dis- constant laughter yeah well my text tones have their own sound and then pretty much Every other notification all it's sounds Carl. the same. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah I, I just wouldn't put Strand's laughter uh, as anything. <laughs> in my, it's just a, uh, <laughs> 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 I could watch that on a loop. <laughs> I 
his reaction was just so over the genuine. Top. It was genuine too. Like mm-hmm. he was he was legit surprised to find out Dwight and Sherry were standing in front of him. That was a shock for him. And I loved it. But like, a, <laughs> let's but let's be more accurate. It was a pleasant shock. It sounds like because it mm-hmm. sounds like he yeah, might he I, yeah he got killed two birds with one stone. Like okay, he must have wanted to find them anyway. But to find out that they were the dark horses that everybody's <laughs> heard of, right? I know this, it makes me laugh too, right? Dark horses. I mean, the name <laughs> is apt. Should be dead horses. <laughs> <laughs> Like the name of a book, Sherry's Dead Horses, <laughs> coming, coming this fall on Fox. <laughs> they call themselves that to, to honor all of the horses that they've put down in their past. Do you think that's like a like an inside joke now at this point? Like, <laughs> gotta be. Like, okay, we can't be on the nose and say dead horses. It's called Dark Horses. It's the murky name of Dark Horses, encompassing general. Like, they're not villains, guys. You just can't call them dead horses. Right. Oh, Although that God. would be in oh, honor of the, of the horses she shot to, yeah. to finally reconcile with Dwight. I'd kill a million dead horses to get back with you, Dwight! Hey, Dwight killed one, too. Don't forget. Mm-hmm. Dwight is responsible mm-hmm. for the death of a horse, also. Don't put yeah. it all on Sherry. Help, help me out with this one, because... Yep. Yeah, because I don't remember. When they, were, five, rank, six, when they were wrangling five, the herd. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he, he jumped off the horse and left it to die. But he, he didn't mm-hmm. sh- well, but he didn't shoot it in the face. Well, that probably would have been better if he did. Maybe you're yeah. right. Maybe you're sure right. should have been around for that one. Yeah, that says a lot about the relationship. <laughs> Dwight being the... Remember how I called Dwight a dumbass? <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe Sherry has more sense than we thought. I also love that um, right when Strand brings Dwight and Sherry into the tower, the first thing we see is beer and pretzels. <laughs> yeah. I, there's some things about this episode. I know I'm glossing over that fact, but I'm really not because there's some things in this episode that are too on the nose. It's, oh, beer and pretzels. That's Dwight and Sherry. Hey, it's exactly what they wanted. Even like the wrestling stuff was, was too like, oh, all right, we're going to really do this. All right. Okay. She was a wrestler. It was, it That's was great. Fun. I was, conf- yeah. I, don't, I don't know why I was conflicted about it. Help me out here because I think on the one hand, I've always said, I'm always, I will help you. I've, I've always, always said that like things like Eugene's humor and Abraham and, and, and I just love seeing humor in some scenes and like people getting it out, getting a laugh out in the, in the middle of this misery and stuff like that. It's not like I love the misery. I love it when we can insert this stuff, but can you, yeah, help me out with this. Cause I, why, okay. why is it that so, like, I'm, I'm so conflicted about this? Maybe you think it's too campy. A little bit. Okay. It's one thing if it was like a little scene. This is what Mickey and Cliff did before the apocalypse. Right. Okay. This was, this was their way of life. They were wrestlers. So <laughs> if you take anybody pre-apocalypse, okay, take Rick Grimes, for example, take, um, someone else with prior fighting skills. Anyway, Abraham, the Ford, skills Darryl. you, Abraham, Abraham, Daryl, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Military, you. Yeah. So the skills you have pre-apocalypse are the skills you're going to use when the world falls, right? I mean, if you have a fighting technique already, you're going to use that to survive. These are her fighting techniques. This is how she has survived. She can do this and it works. So that's her fighting style. Yeah. No. Campy as it might be, but it works. You know she what? She was doing this 
pre and she's continuing post. I think, you know, it wouldn't have been so bad because I, I liked the pile driver and I liked the turnbuckle thing. But after a little while, it was kind of like, but the thing that got me was the till death to us part move. That's that's the thing. I was like, that's wait, that's this big finisher move that that, that was supposed to. That's what that was from the top rope. <laughs> was it from the top rope? And yeah, she hadn't, from she hadn't the top done rope. It, and she hadn't done it in years. Give her a break. All right, I'll give her a break. It's fine. It's fine. And the last time she did that was with her husband. So that was a that was a big, a big deal move. for her okay. to be able to do that. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe, and it maybe was the, the it was the last walker. Yeah, yeah. Maybe the music bothered you a little bit too, because the music was even when I was watching it the first time, I was like, "Well, this is an interesting music choice." I loved it, but I thought the same thing. Yeah, I'm I mean, like, I'm, not, I'm not saying we're it going, wasn't we're good. going there. Maybe, okay, maybe that's maybe that's part of the reason you have a, a problem with it. Honestly, no. That that I was actually fine with that. I, I you know, what's funny about that song? I, I did the research for a completely different song, uh, "World uh, World of Reggae." <laughs> at first, World of Reggae. Yeah. Now that was this is Damian Marley. Yeah, but this, yeah, exactly. This is remixing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Eni Kamozi, yeah. Damian Marley. Yeah, so yeah. it was cool. It was really cool, but it wasted <laughs> so much time on my end. Uh, that's why I was a little a little late to, the, to this recording. But um, but when I found out what what it meant, it's a whole other story. Um, and and I, I really like it because it it has everything to do with. I know I'm glossing over my my gripes. It has everything to do with um, the glitz and glam of a Jamaican holiday, but the real the political realities on the ground. Of Jamaica, the violence, uh, the police violence, but also the the cultural violence is it, that goes on in, in in corruption and murder that happens in Jamaica. So it's kind of interesting to kind of see this song being used in this episode, the glitz and glam of wrestling, but the realities underneath. We know the stories, or maybe we don't, but that's the they just look into it. <laughs> You'll see. But also, it tells you a lot about this world. You know, they talk about the realities of this world. Okay, this world is rough. This, but are we pretending to be outlaws? Are we? fighting on principles I, this is what i took away from it is like are we just pretending that that we can be this way that we can be outlaws in this kind of world that the episode goes through this conundrum or possible conundrum between dwight and sherry living in this world being the writers of wrongs uh doing bad to do good you know but to in order to kind of balance the load the thing that actually bothered me the most about this episode not like i hated this episode or anything like that but i had problems with it because it deals a lot with the idea of principles you know people upholding to certain principles in order to have a framework with which to survive a very very tough environment and you say what you will about eli but he, even he displays a certain type of principle like he does things out of principle as much of a shitbag as he ends up being but i see dwight and sherry's principles and i wonder what makes them any different than Iris in TWD World Beyond? Because they're, in some ways, fighting against a, a vicious and implacable radioactive tide. Do you feel what I'm saying? Like, they're being this way, but even I'm looking at this and going, it's great because it's everything I'm attracted to as a person who likes heroes. So that's why sometimes I identify with you, Rachel. I'm like, I love heroes. I love people who are trying to do good and be good. But I know that's a trap for me because I'm like, well... <laughs> Guys, we have to be a little practical, and sometimes we can't hold our principles. We can't always do it because then we'll die. <laughs> so, so, but, but so, is anything I'm saying making sense at all? Like, did, did that bother you? First of all, like that they were very gung ho about principles, even though they got ambushed later and again, no, sort of. Not at the end. That did not bother me at all because I understood right away what they were doing. They yeah, were yeah. trying to overcorrect what happened 
at Negan Sanctuary. I see. So I, I get it. I get what they're doing, and it, it made sense to me, so it didn't bother me. But I see what you're saying about them going gung-ho on the principles, but at the same time, I, I understand why. Yeah, but did you notice also, and this, this is the thing that further, not this part almost didn't bother me as much because it kind of makes sense. But in the effort of overcorrecting, they employed Negan's tactic, you know, kill one to send a message to the other, you know, kind of not exactly to fall in the line to be in the sanctuary or whatever, to be one of my conglomerates what or franchises. You, but like in, in, what, what in the effort of making a clean kill, like, you know, you announce your intentions, you give people a chance, just like Negan did. And then, you know, you try not to kill them all. You know, you kill one. And then the rest of them get the message. That's how they're well known as the Dark Horses because they leave some people alive well, to spread the message. I didn't get they that at were, all. No. no, I didn't get that at all. They they, they didn't sh- kill because they wanted to. That was a complete no, 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 no necessity. I but didn't I mean, say even, that. Though. But I mean, even oh well, we're going to take one out to send a message. It wasn't like that at all. They killed that guy because he drew on them. It had right. nothing to do who, with them sending yeah. a message. Yeah. yeah, I didn't get that who at did, all. Who did? And who the who guy did you Milos, think they killed to send a message? I mean, obviously, they kept people alive for them to get the word out. I think they tried to leave everybody alive. It was the people that yeah. that drew on them or tried to fight them that they ended up killing. Because I, I don't, I don't think yeah. that they were planning like that at all. I don't know. No, I, I don't think they're purposely looking for people to kill in order to keep people in line. But I'm saying if you do, if you do bad, and of course you should ride out and right wrongs and stuff like that. I mean, I, I'm, I'm agreeing with that. With Eli and the other guy, they yeah. were going to let both of them yeah. go. That Eli, um, the other guy, because we didn't get his name, Wayne. he was pulling his gun. <laughs> Wayne, just call him Wayne. Wayne, 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 Wayne pulled his pulled the gun on him, and they killed him for that. Even Dwight was like, "I didn't want to kill anybody today." I Actually, I think he took the gun too from yeah. Dwight. Which which one? Who who had the gun that Wayne just took off of them? I think she was I Sherry. Wayne grabbed Sherry's Sherry. gun, yeah. and <laughs> Alex went after Dwight. Yeah, it's funny because like. <laughs> Eli, that almost sounds it's worse. Me and Alex, no. <laughs> he mentioned something interesting because, like, again, we're clashing principles. Like in a world where this is the case, like where the, this world is devastated, I, there's something about Eli bringing up, "Hey, if you, like this, I, if you can't protect what's yours, it wasn't yours," kind of thing. You know, there's that principle going mm. on as well. We've heard that before. Yeah, yeah. Well, who who do we hear it from? I, yeah, I knew. Because I think it's Virginia, that, right? I I... What? Sarah. Oh yeah, it was Sarah. Mm. What Sarah was it? And if, Negan. It, if you can't hold on to what's yours, Sarah, it's yours. Sarah not yours first, anymore. To Clayton. Sarah said it first and then yes! Negan. Sa- semi, Morgan. Yeah, but reference to Clayton Semi. That's that's what sorry, that's what I was saying. Very interesting. Without mm. without explicitly saying it, he really kind of just says it. He's like, Yeah, so what? Uh, he couldn't hold on to it, so it's mine. And so it's interesting how like that principle may not exactly or maybe it does apply, you know, a post apocalypse. But it, it applies even further in the nuclear apocalypse. I, I don't know. But it, 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 whatever it was, it made me pause. It made me pause to think about what Eli was saying. <laughs> no, no, it's not Alex. <laughs> it's Eli. Because <laughs> um, it's, it's really not Alex. <laughs> He's not that kind of guy. He's NAF. This is why I, I complain about this a little bit, because we've come to become a lot more practical-minded this far into the apocalypse. This is why I refer to this as the Iris effect. Normally, in the beginning of the apocalypse, we'd be all on board with Iris, a.k.a. Rick. <laughs> because this is the principal leader that says, fuck this, you have a choice. You have a choice to be good. And if you don't be good, I'm going to shoot you. <laughs> right? I'm going to go after you. What a choice. Right. Right. Ex- but this kind of exemplifies the point. Like, even Eli later on goes, hey, you didn't have to shoot my friend. And case in point, 
Eli himself doesn't shoot Dwight. And yes, I thought of the solution of why he doesn't shoot Dwight. But he says, the value of a bullet, you're not worth wasting a bullet on. Meaning, I think you're trying to do good out here, but you're just, you got the message all mixed up. I think you're doing generally a good thing, but like, hey, don't get in my (laughs) way. I noted the fact that he just didn't kill him and he could have, and he, maybe he should have, but he doesn't. And he, you know, I see, I don't have to waste you. I, you, you may have killed my friend, but I'm better than you. My principles are better than yours. And you know, Dwight pulls his move and kicks Alex. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> to the ground. <laughs> very good. Very cool. Practical effect. I, I hope it's not practical, but him getting kicked down like that was really, it was a really cool sequence. Uh, and then act, cool. Alex's acting, acting was really, really on point. Just having Nick, the wind knocked out of him and everything. Mm-hmm. Well, what mm-hmm. do you think about what I've just said too? Because we are playing with themes that we've discussed at length for the last four years. Like the, the idea of being practical minded when it comes to your ethics, rather than absolute minded or uh, objective minded when it comes to ethics. You know, we fight, we don't fight about this, but like we, we internally struggle each and every one of us with these ideas of absolute morality versus subjective morality. The truth is in the apocalypse, you can't live on your principles. You have to compromise this or you won't survive. So, I mean, there, there's just no way. And like in the back of your mind, you're thinking, oh, he's not that bad for a podcast host. So, you know, stealing dragon fruit, what's the, I mean, and that's kind of like okay, the thing. It's, of- it's, he's kind of right a little bit, like, right, quote unquote, about you're going to do this over fruit. Who, who was the person who couldn't bend their principles? John. And look where he is. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to Rachel earlier about I am deeply, deeply, deeply concerned about a couple of characters, given all of the John and June uh, and Humbug's Gulch parallels going on. First of all, this episode is the fifth episode in season seven. The fifth episode in season six was also the Dwight, Dwight and Sherry episode. That was kind of cool. A cool little reflection from this episode, this season to last season. There's also and something. The fifth episode in season four was the John and June episode. The Laura episode. Uh-huh. Yeah, I thought that was cool too. I was going to note that, but also I was trying to see if there was a link in season five as well. But it happens to be that the Dwight the skid mark. Yeah, the Dwight reappearance of it was in episode three, if I'm not mistaken, right? Of yeah, season he comes five. back in Humbug's Gulch. It would have been kind of cool if it was five though. <laughs> 505 was end of everything. The, the yeah, Al and Isabel. Yeah. Which yeah. is the next episode. So maybe they meant to do this, but I think it was kind of cool that you have to get the Mo episode and they get the Alex Scooby episode. Mm-hmm. I realized that we may have taken it for granted that you did not know that, but <laughs> here we are. Alex Scooby, who plays Eli in this episode, is married to Mo Collins, who plays Sarah in Fear the Walking Dead. Oh, so going back to the scene with Eli and Dwight, the last, one of the last few, well, Eli's last scene, I, I encourage you not to be too worried because at the end of the day, in Eli's dying words, he says, what happened to holding up to your code? And he, again, Eli pulling out some earwax bits of wisdom in his last dying breath. I mean, yeah, he says things that gets us to think. I know this sounds weird, and maybe I'm giving Alex a little bit more weight than is due, but no, but it did get me to pause. Like, what about the code? You know, number one, Eli didn't shoot Dwight, didn't kill Dwight. He just said, hey, I just want to, you know, you, you, you kind of abandoned it. For all I knew, you kind of abandoned it. Even though, like, okay, of course, we fucking hate Eli for murdering the Larsons. I'll get to that in a minute, though. But we do. We, in principle, we do. But also, like, for all Eli knew, it's like, okay, well, this is my horse now. You're probably dead or whatever. So here we go. Uh, but I'm leaving you alive. So back off, buddy. But then Dwight wastes him, which is, I don't know, is kind of a weird loosey-goosey thing on the code. So what, uh, 
So should we be worried about them holding too hard to principle? And what do you think of that? Because that did, it didn't bother me. It didn't bother me. I just want to be clear about that. It did not bother me that Dwight wasted Eli. But you know, like when you got like something in your teeth, that's, that's the equivalent of what this was to me. Well, I mean, why would he knows for certain that uh, Alex, sorry. Yeah, I'm just going to call him Alex. But uh, Alex killed the Larson, so why <laughs> would he feel like it's against his code to take out a guy who's who's obviously a murderer? And not just a murderer, but a murderer of a freaking kid, <laughs> like a little yeah, girl. Yeah. So why, uh, why would he even feel the slightest qualm about yeah. taking him out? Because he gave him every chance. Hey, you could be, just like Dwight gave Raleigh a chance back in season Good callback. five. Mm-hmm. You know, you could you could stop being an asshole and be a good guy. Here's your chance. And he did backfired. Yeah. Good callback. Yeah. You know, well, Sherry I mean, you know. tells, Sherry tells Strand, you know, their code is to save people from assholes like you. And unfortunately, I think Eli sort of falls into that category, having just massacred a whole family. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. And it could have turned out differently. Maybe like to Dwight's point, meaning if he had just returned the fruit, Eli would have been okay. And and mm-hmm. Ween, and Ween. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we would have been fine too. Well, Eli, Eli killed the Larsons to get a place in in Strand's tower. It almost doesn't even matter now. But I wonder how he would have been had he made it to the tower. Is he an asshole, or was he doing what he had to do to survive? You know what I mean? Like we don't we don't know enough about the character to to call him a cold-blooded evil murderer. You know what I mean? He did do the thing, but if he were in a safe place, would he? still be a murdering a-hole i don't know yeah that's the other side of the coin right like you have a chance of doing good out here right and then you have a chance that you know hey if you murder this family you guaranteed safety is that so bad in this kind of world right so we're testing our principles against the pressure you know and i'm not ready to i'm not always going to be ready to stand in judgment but obviously I'm, i'm making Internally, personally, my call is fuck that guy. <laughs> fuck Eli. Fuck him in the face for killing that family. But I do want, let me touch on that, fi- on, on him killing the Larsons. Did you get this weird feeling? I was sad about the Larsons kicking the bucket and for seeing Walker Briga, but p- part of me felt like weirdly disconnected from it. Did you guys feel that as well? Like, I felt the initial like tug. My first reaction, of course, was like, no. No, but then, like, as things went on really quickly, I felt weirdly disconnected from that emotion. I was, I was too focused. I'm trying to put my finger on it. I was too focused on trying to figure out what exactly happened because Kevin and Kim were both shot in the head and Brigga turned. So I was trying to figure out, did he kill Brigga in front of them and then let her turn and then shoot them in the head? Or did he shoot them first? And then why didn't Brigga get shot in the head? Why did they, why was she allowed to turn? Because she was small enough that he could kill her without having to use a bullet, whereas the value him of and Kevin would have fought back. So he had to shoot them, whereas he could just kill Brigga with his hands. We could have stabbed her in the head and not instead of letting he her can. turn. Or he also wanted to get back at Dwight, which might be another reason no. he was going to let him live, to have to live with the knowledge that Dwight was the reason that the Larsons were killed. Yeah, yeah a little obstacle for Dwight when he gets back. If, if he overcomes this fine but if then he lives with that memory and if he doesn't well he's dead <laughs> he's a walker too but yeah i'm i'm just trying to figure out why i wasn't as heartbroken i don't know what the right because word is because we really didn't get to know them i mean we got yeah. five minutes of them in the last episode of last season and we got three minutes of them in this season yeah yeah well so, I, I mean where where's the connection other than like oh i'm sad this little kid got killed but yeah did you guys feel really the same them. way though? Because I just yeah. don't want to feel like the only weirdo. Okay. No, I, <laughs> yeah. no, it, 
like I said, I was I was more focused on what was going on. Like it didn't even register as an emotion. I'm like, wait a minute, why did they? And then that, and the hmm, and then the next scene was here, and it was already forgotten. <laughs> do you think Strand really ordered it, or do you think it was Howard? Oh, farts! You just yeah. brought in something I I wasn't thinking of. Well, and you know, to your point, he goes, I didn't get a name, and Strand mm-hmm. never leaves the tower. So who, the only person that would orchestrate this is Howard. Oh, man. But then, see, I had brought up a theory that I don't know if I discussed on air about Strand. I think I mentioned this. I don't remember if I mentioned this in text or in Discord. I think it was Discord. Well, hey, join a tier. Be in our Discord. Then we'll have these discussions. But I had mentioned something to the effect of Strand feeling like he needs to be the villain for everybody to fight against. Yeah, you brought that up on air. That was, okay. Yeah, that was a long yeah. idea. I just want to refresh that again and then go back to it being Howard because I'm happy to be wrong <laughs> because I don't want him to be a villain and you saying that makes it so I, makes that possible. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, look, uh, Strand, Strand is like, he had a reason to throw Will off the roof, you know? He For had himself. A reason, he had mm-hmm. a reason to kill Sanjay. But For what friends. reason would he have to, to murder a little kid? I just don't see Strand going that far. Is to, to murder a, a fucking little girl. You know what? I'll, I'll even say... I, I agree. I can't believe I'm saying this, guys. When I was watching, at least the second time around, I don't know if I thought this the first time around, but I wouldn't... I said to myself, I wouldn't... I don't know if I would put it past Strand. I don't know if Strand has that Negan-esque, you know, I don't kill kids vibe, even though there's many comparisons between Strand and Negan or Strand's tower in the sanctuary. I just don't know. I don't know the depths of Strand's duplicity or his villainy that part of me comes out where i'm like well does he does he have a limit i don't know my heart says something different my heart says oh no dave no he'll be a good guy again you'll just you'll see hold on to hope (laughs) davy i i know listen i'm telling that part of the hope that kills you just like the, yeah, the hope that, right? A lot of that is going on in this episode. The idea of holding on to your principles, holding on to the good that everybody should do versus holding on to their subjective principles, subjective morality. This is the way things are. And so in that, we're seeing Strand from two different lens, lenses. The lens we know and have seen and the lens we're seeing now, the subjective reality that we're, that we're seeing right now. It's almost like uh, confrontational in, in how they're presenting these concepts. It's like, hey, we're Dwight and Cherry, pew, pew, pew. We're outlaws <laughs> for justice, pew, pew, pew. And then like, and maybe it's also like wrestling. It's it's just overtly in your face. Like, oh, we're obviously the good characters and they're obviously the heel, right? right? Like Strand is obviously overacting at being the heel and is the heel. So, so it's very confrontational. It's very obvious. You notice there was no picture of Briga in the pile of pictures so i'm thinking like howard i think rachel mentioned this when we were talking about it howard was like her strand was like hey i need to get rid of these people or i need to do something about these people and howard took it upon himself to take them out but even he knows that strand would hold back be, you're saying would be object would object to the murder of a little girl so they didn't take a picture of her i will definitely put that in the back of my mind but you know what there's also a matter of chain of evidence or like a broken telephone would say let's say strand said like you said let's say strand says to howard hey i've got a real problem here mm, you know we gotta we gotta disconnect that tooth you know from dwight and cherry i don't know that he knows whatever so then 
he tells that to Howard. Howard gets one part of the message, tells it to Eli. Eli takes it upon himself to do something completely different. Or not different, but like, so mm-hmm. there could be, so we're, I know we're building up a little bit of a defense, but there could be a broken telephone message, meaning maybe even Howard didn't want that to happen. Maybe he wanted to he, oh, just rough him up a little, you know, whoever he's staying with. Because does Howard know or does Victor know that he's staying with a couple? I, was, I don't think so. I was just, I was just thinking the same thing. I, Strand, Strand knows they have a place, so he could have sent Howard out to look for this place. And, and then Howard gets there. Yeah, and so Howard gets there, Howard sees the people, and then decides he's going to kill them. Strand might not even or know that there's people Eli, there. more to the point. Yeah, well, well, yeah, 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 yeah. sorry, through sure. via Eli. Yeah, no, I just make Eli, that but... clear, right? And in that, Howard may have just wanted to make, just like Morgan's situation, clear out the... Because what he did in Morgan in the second episode of season seven, they cleared out Morgan's place. They took mm-hmm. everything... They even took the, well, they left the green beans, like we said. The green beans, nobody likes <laughs> green beans, but they left those. But everything else, all the food they took to make Morgan's life miserable, even more miserable than it already is. So maybe the objective here, and Howard did that himself, because of course Victor wants it done right, so he lets the demon do it. So, so <laughs> again, every time I see Howard, demon! <laughs> so. For real. Ever since we met Howard, I've always, like, there's a, there's always just been, like, something about him. And I like, I'm going to say I like Howard. Not because I think he's a good guy. Just because I, fi- I find him a very interesting, interesting character. Interesting character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know if I've if we've talked about it on the show, but I know Sharon and I have talked about how Howard has the potential to be even worse than yeah, Strand. You've mentioned that. And, yeah. and I see that because, and I keep going back to season six finale when Strand confesses to Howard about, all the shit he's done and that he lied to him and how and how does howard react he shrugs <laughs> he's like all right he's unfazed by all this information what kind of a sane person is not phased by this <laughs> yeah or see the way i even played that off was well obviously that's different now the way i even played played that off at the time is like okay what am i gonna do you know, i've lived here in relative um, let's say i'm howard i've lived here in relative company <laughs> alone from my point of view, it's probably better to have company with someone who is kind of not great, maybe somebody that can protect me, than be alone and with all these creature comforts. We've seen this before, too. Like, we've seen people who've lived in... It's, it's kind of like... Okay, it's like the Twilight Zone episode with uh, Time Enough at Last, uh, Burgess Meredith. He's a, he's a clerk mm. who loves reading books, yep. but he's always called out for reading books and developing himself in, in his book reading, his constant chain-smoking book reading. And then he finally has a, a means to stop time and read all he wants, but, you know, he finds out that that's not the be-all, end-all. Finds out a little too late. That you know the people are the thing too. It, it's like the subtext of the of the episode. And Howard himself is like saying, "I have everything I need and everything I want." Oh, there's people. Oh, hey, well, he's not that great. Yeah, but you know, whatever. You know, life, life sends you lemons, you make lemonade, and he made some fucking great lemonade. Demon. Demon. <laughs> Demonade. <laughs> so anything can go in that one. So they may have hired Eli. Hey, would you like to live in this tower? It's pretty great up here. Yeah, my friend Ween just died. So and, then, and so <laughs> I said, looky here to this dragon fruit. <laughs> That's all I was doing. I'm just a good guy trying to live his honest truth out in the wild. Except with a deeper voice. And uh, so, yeah. And he goes, yeah, sure. I'm sick and tired of this shit. I keep trying to live by the ethics of this this world and the world. And now these motherfuckers keep coming out of nowhere and saying, you can't do that. Wag your finger. So then he goes the extra mile. I find it a little bit hard to believe that Howard doesn't have a hand in this, though. It feels like... 
it could be that he took the initiative in not only wrecking the place that they, that they were living at, but they probably made it so that it's unpalatable. Now, one thought that I had in the back of my mind, this really goes to your point, Sharendy. The one thought I had in my mind, which you resolved by you saying what you did, possibly, is Strand, either Strand is super smart, and he re- and this goes to my theory about Strand really wanting to be the bad guy for his friends to fight against. Because why would you do that? Why would you wreck their place? I know Dwight brings it up later and says, oh, maybe he wants to break us and say that, oh, my way is the only way. But that doesn't make sense to me, especially when you're dealing with principled people. Why would you make it so that they would... Because most people, when you challenge them, they double down, especially high-minded principles. Like really, like in a world like this, why would you hold on to these principles? Most people will double down and die trying, especially people like, well, I don't know, maybe especially, maybe not especially Dwight and Sherry. So maybe, maybe he's onto something. But why would you take the chance of them doubling down and coming that much harder at you, going further into their principles? And so I thought, that is a stupid move. Why would Victor do that? But going back to your point, that wasn't Victor's doing. That might not have been Victor's doing. That might have been Howard's, but it might not have been Howard's either. Because Howard seems to be a, a somewhat, at least on the ball, even though sometimes Victor has to go, no, 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 don't do that. You're good. Stop. Mm. Howard. Sh-t-t-t. So it could have been Eli that fucked things up for, for, for Victor. Yeah. Now that now I'm trying to remember when Dwight finds, finds the Polaroid, what exactly did uh, Eli say? Um, Eli, yeah. <laughs> did <laughs> um, about what exactly did he say? Did did he say uh, that he was supposed to kill those people, or wh- how how exactly did that go down? Now I'm wondering what what he was sent there to do. Was he sent there to mess the bunker up and clear the place out, or was he sent there to kill people? Because neither Strand nor Howard would know that there were people there. They just know that Sherry and Dwight have a have a place that's not doing well. Right. right. Except I wondered if Strand was kind of like, and maybe sent Howard to look or something, because he was like, when uh, Dwight says, we have a place, and he's like, how's that working for you? Like, he knew that things weren't going well. Already? Somehow. I mean, that, and, but then I wonder how, because he was surprised when he realized Well, it was I think them, it was so. he picks up on it on instinct. Dwight literally says, oh, we're getting by. And then Strand laughs. He's like, ah, you're getting by. Sounds great. <laughs> like that. He, that's kind of how he plays it off. Because look, when you're dealing with principled people, they're going to be stupid, honest sometimes. Strand might just be assuming. Like, I mean, given yeah. the state of the world, it's a good gamble. It's a pretty safe ex- assumption that wherever you're at is not doing well. Because right. if you're not here, if you're not here, you're not living. You yeah, know? yeah. And <laughs> I mean, also like. I think Strand also knows that principled people do sometimes do principled things in lieu of, I don't know, a stable situation. I see this all the time. I see people who have shit lives go on these, and I'm not, I'm trying not to bring out like specific concepts or ideas, but I, every now and again, I do have a friend who really does not have their life together, but will stand on their, will hoist a petard of like some sort of justice, just cause. And I'm like, you can barely get your life together. Why are you trying to get other people's lives? Why are you trying to build up other people's causes? Get your shit together first, then work in other causes and stuff like, meanwhile, they're like destitute, you know, like they're not doing great. They're quick to point out the ills of other people while not addressing their own ills. And case in point with this episode, you know, Dwight can't quite articulate the fact that he wants to have children in this world, but maybe he's doing this. Maybe the whole point of him doing this is to build a world in which he can accomplish that. So there's a little bit of interplay here, but it does go to what some people do in life. So maybe Strand's picking up on that and saying, oh, okay, you're playing dress up and cowboy, you know, cowboy justice guy. 
pew pew just to, <laughs> because you have nothing to do. There's no point in this world because your life's miserable. That's, that's entirely possible. Let's go on the note of the Polaroids, though. Well, first of all, the obvious comparison to the satellite station in The Walking Dead. They're, where they post Walker, I think it's Walker kills or people kills. I, no, people kills. People, people kills. kills. So mm-hmm. there is a little of that going on. If you are to compare it with the sanctuary or the saviors or the satellite station, there is a little bit of that interplay going on. But does that speak to a bigger cause that like a, you can maybe take Strand at his word that this is definitely a wall of the lost to comfort the people who are who will end up in his domicile. Like there's something alluring about keeping people here to remind them of the people that they lost on the outside. Did you notice the little shrine in the middle of the two boards? There was the two boards that were like kind of full of pictures, and then there was a littler one in the middle. Right, and then there was a littler one in the middle that only had a few pictures on it, and it had a bunch of candles and stuff in front of it, like a shrine. So I'm guessing that's the wall for the people that... The people there have actually found people. Yeah. They've they they put their people there. Yeah. So so I I can see a good dual purpose. Hey, let's take pictures of every walker that we come across that's dead. Let's kill the walkers. Take pictures of them. But let's let's also kill people. I guess. And we'll take pictures of them and tell their loved ones, hey, we found them like this. And hey, I just want to let you know that. Right. So it could be people that they hired to kill. Mm-hmm. And uh, which. Also goes back to Howard's point. Should we put Will's picture on the wall of the loss? And I thought to myself, why then? I thought to bring this up again, this idea of why wouldn't you put Will's photo on the wall? And let's talk about that. You know, why wouldn't Victor put Will's photo on the wall of the loss, let's say? I mean, the obvious answer could be partially because Strand has no intention of bringing Alicia back there and giving her the same tour. What are your thoughts on this? Mm, or I he doesn't was- want to be held responsible. How would how would that have happened? Just because the pictures there doesn't mean he killed him, but right. maybe he wants uh, Alicia to keep wondering. I don't know. Maybe Ooh. it's just a tor- torture technique. Uh, who knows? Interesting. But, which know. begs the question: You're saying that she would, she he would bring her back to show him, show her all his splendor, palace. Well, with the tower. exception of Morgan and Sarah and Jojo, he, everyone's gotten a tour so far. So. He may at least give Alicia a tour if she shows up, even uh, if she doesn't say. I blanked out on who you were calling JoJo for a second. <laughs> Josiah, okay. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. So, he, so you think he is intending to give Alicia a tour, let's say, once she finds her? At the very least. I mm-hmm. think he would try and show her around. Well, what do you think, Charity? I don't think so. I don't think he wants Alicia there at all, though. Because the whole point of all the walkers out front was to keep Alicia away. I don't want her here. Right. I don't want her to see this person. I mean, he wants to show off to Morgan, but I don't, I think he's ashamed yeah. of, yeah. and doesn't want Alicia to see it. Yeah. I think he's also kind of closet ashamed of it being one thing, then him taking it on himself to be selfish and make it another thing. Or, and this is something I brought up on Reddit, which I will bring in. Okay. I know. I'm sorry, guys. I, sometimes I go on Reddit, but <laughs> why I, well, th- I, sometimes we get hits and people come to the podcast and say, Oh, I'm so glad you said this instead of Morgan is stupid. I know Mor- Morgan is dumb. <laughs> Reddit is full of Morgan is dumb people. Well, maybe you should go share it. No, <laughs> <laughs> Morgan is at least like at least I can okay. back up my Morgan is yes. dumb with yes. with facts. Yeah. Well, right. no, they can too, but <laughs> it's just mean. It's just it's just mean. A question was asked about why Victor Strand is the way he is, and I answered. I say I said basically when it counted the most, Alicia chose Morgan instead of Strand. We said this in the USS Pennsylvania or in Mother um, when uh, Alicia. It came down to Alicia. 
calling for help. Victor picks up. She goes, hey, relay a message to Morgan. I don't want you doing this yourself. Can I count on you to do this? And he does. But he says this on the USS Pennsylvania. He says, she, the fact that she trusted you over me you know, says a lot. I forget the exact words, but he says something to the effect of, it used to be me and her. And of course, that's his fault, by the way. It's his fault that it's, that it's become something. It could have been he and she. Uh, but instead, you know, Alicia happens to trust Morgan a lot more than Strand at the moment. You know, there's the game of chicken they played in Damage on the Inside. And Strand is taking this all too personally. And I said, so if you want, look no further than, it really comes down to being hurt over Alicia choosing Morgan over him. And I, that got like 25 upvotes right immediately. It pays off sometimes. Reddit is scary. It's, it's yeah. yeah. But it's it's getting, I, I don't want to sell false hopes. It, it feels like it's getting better, but it's still still full of shit. I, I, I don't know what I think, though, about Alicia, though, uh, in terms of what Sharon wants to do. I am kind of leaning towards what Sharon is saying. I think he wants Alicia as far away as possible and Will is a guarantee. But then if you don't have the picture, what is the guarantee? Seeing Walker Will in the wall of, in the mode of walkers, in the thousands of walkers. Yeah, that'd be a pretty is that even possible? spectacular if she happened to see Will. Especially see him, not only see him, but recognize him. Yeah. <laughs> if Alicia did show up, it's possible... Or if they cross paths, I'm not going to say if she shows up, but if they cross paths, it's possible that she would ask, hey, have you seen this guy? Have you seen the, the you know, or whatever? The <laughs> 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 and Strand would have plausible deniability because he doesn't have the picture anymore. Like, I don't know who that guy is. But let me show you yeah. around. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I, the only thing I could think of is part of me doesn't even think Alicia is looking for Will for the express reason that he that Will mentions. It's like, hey, I did the thing and didn't happen to be the good thing, and so they kicked me out. It had to have been a big enough thing that she wanted done to justify it. So I, I don't think she's looking for him, but I think it also is a cool little like, well, if on the off chance – well, okay, but then also she left the note for Padre for Will, so maybe she is – looking right. for him right so i'm not saying necessarily looking for him but when she comes across people she's like hey have you seen this guy have you seen this boy right and so <laughs> and if but on on the victor side it would be good for him not to have a picture of will because you know pl like you said plausible deniability and also like also fuck you you know i don't care i hope you wander the earth endlessly looking for for will i hope you do well fuck you. i'm i'm instead I'm of gonna me go ahead and look for me yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and take a guess and say that they don't have pictures of all of the walkers that are in their moat right now, which is where Will is. So if he's just a walker among the moat, why why would he have a picture there, right? Mm, I guess. I guess. I mean, do you th do you think they have photos of all the walkers down there on the wall? My any, no, my any, take any, on the possible. photos was walkers that they've come across when they were out in so, the field and, or and, whatever. And, and put down, right? These are right, walkers right. that they've put down. So since these ones are still alive, they don't go on the wall. Well, alive, you know. What I mean? <laughs> mm. Oh, so you, you okay? So maybe you bring up an interesting question, like in terms of let's say even coming across a walker will. If we're saying what we're saying, that maybe Victor doesn't want to even give Alicia a chance to even think that he may have killed him. And I, I know it sounds weird to say, but you know, like I okay, think I know if, what you're saying. If, if if this guy's on the wall, did he kill him? You know, could it have been him that ended his life? Anything is 
anything is possible. Mm-hmm. So maybe why bother entering into that in, into the equation? Why bother even putting that into question? Better that he wander the earth forever, never seeing Alicia again, quote unquote, uh, than 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 it being because because maybe it is possible that Victor's whole plan, as much as he says, I just want her, I want to do the unthinkable so she'll never come back to me again. Maybe that's all window dressing. Maybe that's all like I'm saying this to keep my heart partitioned. But that's not how life works. It, we sometimes we say things in order to com- compartmentalize, especially men. I, I'm just going to throw it out there. We fake it till we make it. But sometimes that's not how it works. Sometimes life has a way of creeping up and showing us the reality of the situation. That sometimes we do love people. Sometimes the reason why we do things is because we love people and we hate that we love these people. That's t- totally possible. Totally possible. Yeah, strength could be saying one thing out loud, but have believing something feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, I, I mean, mean, he does it because he has these feelings. Maybe we all agree that if anyone could get through a two-strand, it would be Alicia, <sighs> yeah. which is and why maybe, he wants to keep I, her at arm's length, because he knows he this want, as well. Yeah, and he, he doesn't want to make that possible. He wants to make it so that Alicia could never get through to him, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We, we, it always comes back to is what Victor is... Obviously, what Victor is doing is objectively bad, but if it means he can save a lot of people... And give them a decent life to live in a tower that's capable of holding a thousand people. That's not nothing. Is that subjectively morally bad? I I come back to this question a lot. If it means that he gets to do what he like, it kind of like the way he phrased it in season six. If that means I'm doing what I have to do. Yeah, he said I can't McAllen. do what I need to. I can't do what I need to do with you around. So, something along those lines. I, yeah. Probably yeah. not a direct quote, but yeah. Yeah. If that's I what need he you feels to go like away he to, to, do. to become who I need to become. And he does this on a grander scale. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not saying that I agree to this. I'm just saying it's a little sad, but it's also a little like, okay, if some good comes out of it, right? This is very utilitarian. If something good comes out of it, is it so bad? You know, is it the worst thing in the world? I mean, even Morgan points this out. Like, yeah. please help people. Please, please, for the love of God, save the world even. I am putting words in his mouth. But if you, you hurt people, if you hurt people I love, yeah, I'm going to get you. I'm like, I'm mean, going to get you. We could ca- I mean, there an argument could be made for Negan's sanctuary, too. Because if you look right. at the people who are just living there, not the saviors, but the people just living there, they probably Which wouldn't have complained. Which is most people. Right? They yeah. probably wouldn't have mm-hmm. complained about the situation. Kind of like the perimeter. I mean, we said the same thing about them. Like, oh, oh, Jennifer, you done killed. You done killed Percy's uncle. All right. Yeah, <laughs> what's, for di- what's for dinner? <laughs> Guys. No, oh, I miss. Dear? I still miss okay, Tony. Cool. I know. I know. I still miss Tony. I wish you would have <sighs> taken out Percy and Tony would still be around. <laughs> yeah, but then Tony and Iris would be making out. That'd be gross. Oh. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> but going back to the sanctuary. So, but there's there's other really good comparisons to make between Victor and, and Strand. Uh, sorry, Victor and Strand. Victor and Negan. <laughs> well, well, we we had even on the podcast had, had suggested that they have something in common. I think when when Carol and I were talking about this around season four of Fear the Walking Dead, or even before, we had tried to draw some comparisons between the two, but it fell short because I feel like you know I think let's all. Maybe agree to this that like Victor is no stranger to lying. Whereas oh, right. Negan is not a liar. Uh, if there's anything you can't you can fault him on, it's not lying. Um, I think I just used a double negative there, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, he's he's an honest asshole. <laughs> he's an honest scumbag. You know, he's a scumbag, but he's an honest scumbag. You know, and 
and the root of what he's trying to do is good. You know, he, he sees this as a way of doing some sort of moral good. There's an argument when it comes to Victor. He is almost a negative of Negan. He is no stranger to lying. He will lie to get his goals. That was clear in this episode. That's clear in the first episode. And you know what? It's funny because I feel like Victor is doing a hell of a lot better than Negan ever did. Negan ruled almost by fiat and, and violence and force. He scared the shit out of all the people under him, and his lieutenants made sure of that. Whereas if you look around at Victor's tower, everybody seems really happy to be there. It didn't look like the sanctuary where it, where it looked like the flea market, like the, the dreaded flea market of, of wares. They were like, yeah, let me get this. No, I'm a lieutenant. I get all this. And like, okay, this is like Mad Max shit. But like you go, you go in Victor's tower, checkers, pretzel, pretzels and beer to your point. People doing yoga. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It seems way cooler than the sanctuary. I mean, you can see why when Negan finally goes back to the sanctuary, why it could, why it fell. Like it was never going to survive. It needed you, Negan. But with Victor's, it feels more or less self uh, self sustaining. Everybody feels like they're a part of the thing. They don't have to rule by force. The lies seem to work really well. <laughs> I don't know what he's holding over people. That's the thing. That's the only thing that bothers me is what keeps this whole thing going. What is it? What is it? What is being told to the people to get them to work in harmony? What is the thing that's holding this whole thing up? What is what is the lie or the truth? I well, could don't be think he needs to lie because I yeah. wouldn't want to go anywhere else if I saw this place and it was like, oh, they have food. And like you said, toilet paper. Toilet paper, right. Why, why would you need to be kept? Other... Other than someone like Mickey, who's determined to go out and do something, you know, she has a she has purpose. a objective right. and a purpose and a drive to do something. Most people, me, or I'd dependence. Be like, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm good. I'm I'm good here. I don't really want to go out into the world where everything is nuclear and radiated and everybody's dying in this death. No thanks. I'm I'm good here. Right. Yeah. Right. He also he also mentions you know that they have scouted in fifty miles in every direction and this is the only inhabitable place that there is. So mm -hmm. if he's telling that to people, then they'd be like, all right, well I guess we're staying here because there's literally no place else. Yeah. And and I'm sure he's keeping the radio chatter to a minimum because he doesn't want anybody in that building to hear the word padre. Victor, you're saying Victor? Yes. Yeah. Is, Victor okay. is is mm. not letting people listen to the radio. Right. I mean, right. especially after Mickey heard it and escaped. And that's, and that's something that Mickey brings up is Strand wants me back. Well, he'd lock her up so that she can't share with anyone else how to, how she escaped. But which, okay. So that's, that's another question that I had. She says he wants to lock me up so that she can't do same. But what, but what purpose is that? What, I think he, he wants, wants to, to find Padre so that nobody else can figure out how to get in. Why not kill her? People are a resource. Oh, Negan. You pulled a Negan. But but really, but do you think that's what it is, though? Or I'm almost, I'm almost like, I don't think he, like, after what he did to Will and Howard, like, oh, let me kill him. Brr, demon. Um, like, would, would Victor hesitate to kill somebody that is a liability? That's what, what's killing me is like, there must be some other utility that she has that maybe we'll find out about at some other junction because she seems like Aisha Tyler slash Mickey is hanging around as a third wheel in the Dark Horse podcast. <laughs> the Dark Horse do the trio, I guess, or something. So maybe there's more to it than we're able to see at the moment. There's got to be some utility to her. Like, to your point, if she is a resource, what is that resource? And that could be Padre. He may have kept her around because she has more of an idea of what Padre is. I think the idea of Padre does intrigue Victor a little bit. Maybe 
as a means to shut the, shut it the hell down. Maybe he wants to be the only option. I mean, the hints that have been dropped throughout this episode of why he goes or why he sends Howard to send Eli to <laughs> make it so that they're the, the, you know, Victor's Tower is the only option. That seems clear. What ends up happening is a whole other story. So maybe if you take that, extrapolate what he tried to do to Dwight, to Dwight and Sherry to break them down and make him seem like the tower's only option, extrapolate that and put, superimpose it onto Padre, he may want to find Padre only in as much as to maybe, say, nuke it. And you know, it's funny because if that's the case, and because we had talked about Howard possibly taking a warhead from Morgan Stores, even though he does have the keys to the thing, probably, so they, he couldn't, the stalkers seem to have a leaky nuclear warhead with which to avail themselves. So are we going to maybe possibly have another nuclear standoff? Something you and I um, and Rachel talked about was the possibility of Morgan setting off a nuke on Strand's tower. It would have to be one of those things where the show decides that Morgan's had enough and Morgan is going to break bad. And then if something happened to Grace and baby Mo, don't you think it'd go there? Yeah, I do. Definitely. And I, I remember thinking of something very interesting as a response to this, like how, what circumstances would have to happen for this to happen just right. And I, I I don't remember any of it. I don't remember any of it (laughs) because I thought, I first thought it would be like incredulous. I said, oh, that doesn't make any sense. And then slowly I started thinking, wait, wait, it actually kind of does. And I can't remember exactly why. I really can't. It would have to be a certain, like you said, baby Mo and Grace, sure. But then there would have to be something more to it. I think there is something interesting about, you know, you've got this objective morality, this, okay, this, these are the rules of the, of the road when it comes to an ideal world, uh, the world that doesn't have a nuclear pressure or constant murder and rape and whatever. And I don't know what's going on out there, but like, and then there's the subjective morality. Okay. How are we in a world that has these pressures? You know, there's what we know we should be doing. And then there's what is what's going on and how we have to adapt to it. Right. But what if both of these ideas have nukes? And then both of them feel like they have to be a certain way in order to exert their power. There is something interesting about it. It does fall apart the more you think about other people, <laughs> like like Sarah and Althea and and even Grace and Baby Mo and Wendell and, and what else is there? Who Luciana? We always forget about Luciana. <laughs> so, <laughs> Poor Lucy. I know, but yeah, other when other people get involved, it's like okay, well, guys, hey, um, stand down. But we'll probably fl- flesh this out in the. In the coming episodes, because I know we're having a, a gosh, what is this? Uh, Two oh five. So yeah, we got three episodes until the mid season. So who knows what's going to happen? Oof, racing towards the middle. <laughs> so I got some serious Milton vibes watching Mickey put her Walker suit back together. Anybody else? Milton from The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. That was uh, Woodbury Milton, is it? No, yeah. it was Prison Milton, right? Or no, 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 no. Woodbury, Woodbury Milton. Yeah, because he he get he gets the duct tape duct tape sleeves and it. Stops the walker from biting him. And I was like, mm. oh, look at that. She's using duct tape as armor. <laughs> Do you felt like Aisha Tyler had a hand in, in, in this episode? Because it did, it did feel like they dropped some of these, like like you said, some of these Easter eggs on purpose. Mm-hmm. I mean, even to the point where, can I just say this out loud? She does like her Easter eggs. But, but specifically when Dwight is saying to her, you know, I've seen you somewhere before. I, know, I just can't place it. And in my head, and I was about to say this out loud as I'm watching last night, I'm half Friends. dead. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Archer. No, um, yeah, you, didn't you direct that episode that, that had Dwight and Sherry in it last year? Yeah, no, I, I know I've seen it. Because we, we were talking all about it. Like, it was JD, wasn't it? Or, 
Yeah, yeah, it was JD, yeah. right? Because it, yeah, it featured White and Cherry. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, the Negan Walker behind them. Yeah, yeah, I remember you. Yeah, you directed that episode we were in, right? Yeah, <laughs> and, and like it felt like it was dragging out, so it, it made it that much more funny in my mind. And then then Dwight finally drops the old wrestler thing. Did, did you guys us, think that too, or am I crazy? Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. Dwight was us fangirling over it. Oh my god, I know you. You're I'm your biggest fan. Yeah. One of your fans is still here. Okay. Now knowing that you just said that did you feel a little uncomfortable? <laughs> because you could see like Mickey being like really like awkward, like, I don't want to talk about this right now. <laughs> and like he keeps going, right? <laughs> It was. I he thought it was work on his celebrity etiquette. I, know, yeah. I thought it was really well done, though. Like, like Learn to I read just the like room, that, dude. <laughs> right? Dwight went all out. Mickey is a whole other set of uncomfortable, and Sherry's kind of like right in the middle, going just, <laughs> just for the for the audio podcast. I'm kind of like it makes like she's about to say something to Dwight. Uh, maybe Dwight, you should just. Oh, I think she's that's the person she's mourning right now, or like you know missing. Oh, maybe you should stop. Mm. So. <laughs> Sorry, I had to do that for the audio podcast. <laughs> ah, Dwight. Ah, stop it. Ooh. <laughs> it's it's getting to be more and more. I, like, I can't remember the last time I've seen Aisha Tyler act in real life. Like the, the last thing I, I'm, I remember hearing is her playing her character in Archer. Archer the cartoon? Yeah, the cartoon. Oh, Isn't that her, on, Aisha Tyler? She was, I have no idea. I don't watch Archer. Um, she was on the last few seasons of Criminal Minds. Oh, okay. Uh, when was that, though? Uh, oh, I think season 15 just aired a couple years ago. Yo. Okay. Yeah. Was that and the season she was in or? She, she was in season 15, but I think she joined in, Oh God, you're putting me on the spot now. I think oh, she sorry. joins in thir- in 12 or 13. I think she joined because it's right when Hotch leaves and then Tara joins the team. I don't think there's any overlap between Tara and Hotch, but. Well, she's still on that yeah. show is the he, question. He was in Criminal Minds until 2020. Ooh. Oh, so, Okay. okay. So it felt like two years ago, but I guess season 15 just ended last year. (laughs) Well, it's almost two years ago. I guess to your credit. Oh, okay. All right. So, okay. She was also on Modern Family through 2020. Oh, Oh, really? Oh, okay. I know her most famously as Charlie on Friends. Oh, okay. Okay. That was ages ago. I watched her on Whose Line. Oh, Oh, yeah. That makes sense. I completely forgot about that. Oh, wow. She's so funny. She is fucking, she's yeah. hilarious. Oh my God, deadpan. Oh, did you notice that as they're bearing Briga, well, the Larsons in general, Dwight says out loud without even knowing who it was, play with fire, you get burned. He says this out loud. He says mm-hmm. Eli's words in the beginning out loud again. I thought that was kind of cool that he knew it without knowing, knowing, knowing it really, that it was Eli that did it. I, I think it's something very powerful about having Eli's words, this idea of subjective morality, let's say, you know? If you can't keep what's yours, it, is it yours? It ain't yours. That that kind of morality. And it echoing in his mindset it, as he's burying the Larsons. And then now we know that he's he's doing this to be in a world where he can raise a child, let's say. But without articulating it, without even maybe knowing it at the time um, or fully being able to express it. We talked about this with J- Jasmine, I think it was. every. Oh, yeah. It was uh, Sharon D. 
it was when we were talking about the Walking Dead world beyond. We we're like, oh, every generation says they want they don't have kids because they want to raise mm-hmm. them in a world like this horrible. Meanwhile, it's like every generation has kids. <laughs> like almost everybody in your friends list or your your high school ends up having kids, except for yeah, except for me. Yeah, exactly. Not you, Rachel. Sorry. Uh, I'm, well, I'm right. the only. I'm a breeder. <laughs> I'm a. I'm a. I bred once. <laughs> yeah. Somebody. Somebody has to keep the species going. Yeah. I just think it'll be me. Yeah. Yeah. But but it, no. But we bring this up again because it's just interesting to see this theme, this type of theme play out. You know, it, it does make people who say this a little dumb because if they can in a nuclear holocaust, if they can imagine being in a world, you know where they, and maybe they have to, maybe they feel like they have to a little bit, right? But if they feel like they can slash have to in this kind of world, what are we doing here, folks? This is, this world is crazy great. And then you really have to think about like, like, is this the Mongols in China? I mean, is is this like, are we living in a world with rape and no, we're, no, this, I can get orange juice off the shelf. How crazy great is that? (laughs) I live in a great world. I mean, yeah, there's, there's pressures, sure. But there's never been a better time to have kids if you really wanted them. <laughs> I mean, objectively speaking. And yet we feel like we, oh, this world's so horrible. I'm like, well, it's not that bad. <laughs> I just, I like that this is brought up, you know, and you almost feel like an asshole for saying that. It's like, oh, this world sucks for kids. I'm like, well, it, it might be hard, but. I don't know. feel bad saying that. Are you kidding me? They got, my son's junior high got rid of their wood shop and put in a tech classroom. Yeah, but is it a radioactive tech classroom? No. <laughs> is it so bad that, <laughs> that he learned tech stuff? Um, over woodworking? Yes, yeah. I think so, in my opinion. <laughs> I agree with you, but like, would that stop you from having children? Oh, I mean, no. if you were. Yeah, see, there but... you go. There you go. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, objectively, I mean, to be, not to be fair, you specifically. I did, to, to be fair, God sort of made that choice for me. <laughs> <laughs> he just went with it. Yeah. You I'm like, all right, subject. this is this is what we're doing now. Right, Having a right. kid. <laughs> Let's go. Let's do it. This is what mm. life has in store for me. Well, and now that brings us to uh to Dwight and Sherry and this idea that maybe they might call their son John. John Jr. and John. Yeah. Now he wouldn't be a junior because oh. because he's Dwight and Sherry's kid. So just John. I just I just like the idea that I just wanted to be called John Jr. for some <laughs> I mean, I they could they could give him the middle name Junior. Doesn't have doesn't yeah. mean he has to be a junior. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I see. I see Sharon D shaking her head. What's up? So now comes the time when I have to talk about all the John and June parallels in this episode. Yeah, why not? First of all, in this situation, Mickey is June. She has to put her husband down. Finds her husband has to put him down. The letter that her husband leaves her that she reads out loud. Oh, in last season. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, right. I was thinking season four for some reason. But in Humbug's Gulch, John and June help Dwight. So in this episode, in this episode, Sherry and Dwight are helping Mickey. There's, oh, there's so I, it makes me worry for Dwight for one thing because we know what happened to John, right? And no, um, it also up. it also really makes me worry about June. Oh, oh, going back to June Dory for real life. Okay, I, I'm very very scared. June. What do you With think I was the... trying to complain about in the last episode? You're like, no, it's a great place. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm not worried about her with Strand necessarily. <laughs> oh, that's what that's what I was worried yeah. about. It's like the spirit of John is dead. That's that's what I, I didn't articulate it. Of course, I didn't articulate it. But yeah, that that's what I was worried about. The the independent spirit, the knowing which way is up, sort of thing. You know, or you like knowing that her... you can do shit on your own. <laughs> or maybe you were speaking to her mental state, not her 
physical state. Yeah, no, oh, our mental. Okay. Yeah, for we physical state's amazing. In, <laughs> we both thought you meant in Strand's Tower. Yeah. Yeah, I well in Strand's Tower, but like, what's the cost? What's what's the what's the catch? You know, like what's mm. what do I got to do? You know, also like what does June? What does June has to com- have to compromise in order to live in Strand's Tower too? Like, there's mm. got to be a compromise, and if there's not, that's great. In her stories, when she was doing the Instagram takeover, somebody asked her a question about being in the tower or something. And she said that June is going to get a lot more politically savvy. Oh, fuck. Oh, man. Okay. All right. Something that she may not have been able to do under um, Jenny, I think. Or maybe she didn't. We were too busy to do. You know? I mean, Juke. He was worried about the hospital. June could run this thing. Well, here's but, the consequence of her running this now thing. She's, now she's in the tower where I'm sure people have bumps and bruises and cuts and scrapes and such like that. But the emergency, you know, constantly having to go here and there to save people, she won't have to do that. Won't have to go far. So she can focus her energies on other things mm. besides the hospital. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I, I just thought um, there, there were so many parallels between John and June. And we said um, back in season six and 603, uh, when Dwight and Sherry found each other, how they were paralleling John and June so much. And they have really expanded on that, which makes me worry for Dwight because I really feel like one of them is going to die this season. And I really think it's going to be Dwight. Mm. I really hope he doesn't. But, you know, obviously... Anything goes. Uh, I also noticed that, like, when when Dwight was burying the Larsons, I did feel, like, that little color of John losing hope sort of thing. Like, him bargaining, uh, in a sense. Like, akin to when he has this moment in season five with June. I think it was in the pilot for, for that. It's not pilot. The season premiere where he goes, I, you know, we got we have so much luck. I only wish I could share this luck that we both have. But also there's a tinge of, like, you know, when is our luck going to run out? You know, we've been so lucky this far, you know, it, that's not how life works. Life doesn't work that way. I mean, John at least knows that much in his hope and hope and changey kind of lovey doveyness that he, we relied on him for, but I like the fact that he's real enough to express the fact that, yeah, you know, I was a cop and I did right. And, but you know, I, I hurt somebody. So that's the world, you know, you can only go on so, so long before you make a mistake. So it was a little bit of that going on too. And yeah. And of course, case in point, Dwight trying to do right in this world. There's a little bit of that karmic thing that I do not like. This karma, I don't believe in karma, but like, oh, if we do enough good, you know, we can make up for the bad and well, good things will come to us. I'm like, nah, it's not how it works. But to go back to the parallel, I feel like there is a little of that, like, you know, oh, we, we try to do all this right. And in the process of doing all this right, and a little bit of bad has to get done. Uh, we drew too much attention to where we lived and this good family that kept us safe. Yeah, in during the fallout, you know, suffered the consequences. So yeah, that's not supposed to happen. Karma doesn't work that way. Oh, see, guys, I'm right. Karma is bullshit. <laughs> in, in a fake world, karma is bullshit. Well, points to you guys. Oh well. I also found another parallel a little bit. John had hid the letter from Dwight initially, saying, to, "Sorry, that Sherry had given up on." She said, "Don't look for me." Mm-hmm. But when John had that letter, he hid it from him. Until it was like, okay, I can't hide this letter. She said not to look for you or whatever. I, so that was kind of cool. And then when Mickey finally finds it, she finds it on his person. Kind of like the A.G. Lumber guy, too. So that was a little bit of a callback. Do you remember that in season four, the A.G. Lumber walker? Yeah. Or a set of walkers that were coming from that what is, factory? Mm-hmm. What does Mickey find on Ellie, his person? Uh, the letter. The letter. Well, I think Dwight, I think Dwight found, found it. it. Dwight found yeah. it in a room. It wasn't oh, I thought it was on all. his body. 
Oh, mm-hmm. oh, okay, okay. Well, either well, kind of like the AG Lumber Factory was in the room. I, I don't remember if it was on the body though of the of the Walker, the guy who was sending those notes on Walker oh, yeah, to save him. I'm not. I and then Alicia goes on a quest. On. I don't remember if he had something pinned on him. Yeah. Either. Well, so there you go. No. Okay. It's it, and the, also like the, the one of the walkers that had the the knife on it. That reminded me of like a railroad spike or something. And I, what does a railroad spike have to do with that episode? I can't remember. It was like the walker and Laura um, that came through the jeep that had the machete oh, the through machete. its chest, mm-hmm. and it ripped out the window of the jeep that John and June were in. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and he didn't like want to shoot it. Oh, because of the guns. I want to say that Christine Evangelista was a badass in this episode. Like Sherry had some really sweet. Uh, kills. She was she was a badass. I I don't know if this is a directing choice, but how natural some of her dialogue was in this episode. You could you could tell that there was a lot a little bit of ad libbing on her end of things mostly. Like you you can hear it. Like it wasn't like prominent. It was like in the background sort of. But there was, was, was kind of cool. Uh, a little organic in a mostly principled, diametrically kind of like opposed narrative. Like of certain principles, you know, subjective and objective principles. Like you still have this like background noise. Jerry said two of Wendell's lines in this episode. The code. Uh, w- one, we got a code. We got a code. And the other one is now you're getting it. Wendell says it to Al in four fourteen. Oh, she says when you help people, shit goes wrong or something like that. And he's like, now you're getting it. Hmm. Yeah, actually, and the, yeah. the way they delivered it was almost the same too. That's why it caught my ear. That's that's funny because I am reading right here one of my notes that says the right the right way the code helping people karma is karma isn't guaranteed. You know, not saying that Strand is the right thing. I noted that I'm like, guys, I'm not defending Strand. But that it's not enough. You know, karma isn't enough. Some shit, bad shit happens, right? I think that was also a, 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 something that either Althea said or somebody says it on the show. Bad shit happens. And that has nothing to do yeah, with the good. That, that, that was it. Bad shit happens when you help people. Yeah. Althea says it because Wendell's telling her how he got in the wheelchair. <laughs> and she says, "You bad things happen when you help people. And he says, now you're getting it. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Hey, handshake. We did it. We, we figured it out. <laughs> but I think that's the thing that bothers me about karma is it doesn't account for the fact. And look, these shows have a very pretty way of illustrating that even those bad moments that kind of crash into your window unexpectedly w- somehow were meant to be the th- gr- a good thing that eventually happens. That's So like you can even argue like had w- Wendell not gotten to a wheelchair, he wouldn't have. None, none, nobody would be in this situation where Sarah could help people or things like that. Like, it's a ripple effect. Thing, bad things happen to, then you adjust to it and things you happen in life for other good things to happen, whatever. But what does it have to do with karma? What does it have to do with your actions? It just seems like cars crashing into other cars, life, and then we adjust, you know? That's, that's what it comes down to. I just think it's just silly to think that you do good things and good things should happen in return. I think you should do good things and, you know, hopefully you engender other people to do good things. And I, I think that creates a better world to live in. I know it sounds like karma, but it's definitely not. Sorry. I know you guys don't agree with me. I think that's what pissed me off about this episode a little bit is that like, they're so concerned. They're so involved in karma. And I'm just like, what did karma ever do for you? I don't, I guess I didn't really see them thinking about it as karma so much as just don't be Negan. Don't become Negan. That's what I saw. I didn't really see them expecting good to come back their way. It was just more about don't go down this path. We're going to do what needs to be done without doing it 
the way he did. We're going to take a higher road and do what needs to be done. I didn't really get the impression that they were expecting good things in return, I guess. But th- doesn't it worry you a little bit that they have to be so concerned about not not turning about not not turning out like Negan? Like the fact that you have to say it. Why are you so afraid of that happening though? Do you know? Well, I, I think mean? the like, fact that I think at that point they probably killed a couple of people and they had to make peace with that somehow. Mm. Right. To have a code with which to hold. But even then, like, that, I think that's what bothered me. Like, even Negan had his own code, you know? Like, he had his own set of rules to prevent him from being yeah. some sort of monster. And they worked but for think, him. But I think, according to Dwight and Sherry, they're like, no, those, that was a bad code. We have a better code. <laughs> <laughs> I think you plagiarized. That's why I was like, you think you plagiarized just a little bit. Only we happen to be Dwight and Sherry. <laughs> we happen to be. But we're the good guys. Well, they're trying know, to be. They're they're trying yeah. to be. You know that's so. Was, so was Negan though? <laughs> yeah, I I agree. I agree with you. I know. He, he I know. thought he was. He doing lo- he good. did lose his way. I I know I'm being. Yeah. <laughs> no, I he I, did lose his way. I'm I'm, I'm not saying yeah. he didn't. But, yeah. but you know. You know, but Sherry and Dwight have a completely different perspective. Oh shit! You know, but Sherry and but Dwight you know what, have you know, a completely yeah, well, yeah, different perspective. Having come from right, right. But maybe this is an interesting flirtation because. We had discussed, had Lucia lived, maybe would have looked a little bit more mm. like Dwight and Cherry. That mm-hmm. is interesting to me. I didn't think we'd actually go there, but we're here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Yeah, but do we I think, mean, my, do we think Luc- Lucille would be trying to take this high road? Because I thought we had no. kind of decided that she would no. be even worse. <laughs> but but it's, it's a flirty, I, you, know, you never know. You never know. I will say that openly. I know we, based on Here's Negan, I, I'll put this on me, I had assumed that Lucy would be the badass, Negan would be the, you know, gamer guy that swears at children kind of thing. And, <laughs> so you know, Lucy. being him without having to take the responsibility, you know, that kind of thing. And, and, and she would have the husbands and he would just be on the side or the main husband or, you know what I mean? It's good to remind people where we're at, but it's kind of cool to maybe even, okay, put that to the side and imagine that, oh, what what if this is what it could have looked like? Instead of it eventually, kind of like to Carl's point, like, when did this get away from you? When he was saying yeah. this to Negan at the gates of Alexandria. And we know now. Well, it all started <laughs> with here's Negan. You know, it, it, that's where it kind of just whoop. And then eventually went down a, a weird curve, you know. It started out with good intentions. I embraced a part of myself that could have been a part of my wife, let's just say. But it was definitely him seeing red um, hey, on behalf know, of his wife. The Victor we're seeing right now could have been the early stages of Negan, too. Mmm. 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 God, I hope not. There's something, there's a part of me that actually wants him to straddle this line of, like, of helping people out of spite, almost. Like, I want, <laughs> I, it's like almost, it, it almost makes Morgan super right. Like, like, oh, I'm going to help people out of spite, Morgan. Mm. You know, like, and like. And Morgan's like, yes, please do. Yes. Like, yeah, okay. (laughs) Oh, just you wait, Morgan. Oh, I'm going to save the world. I'm going to make everybody so happy. Just you wait. (laughs) Oh, I I know you don't like that. I wish, I almost wish Morgan would go, I'm going to put a stop to you. Like, right? (laughs) You can't stop me. I will say it's like the Bugs Bunny Daffy Duck thing. Right? Yeah. Well, I'm going to go this way. No, I'm going to go that way. And Strand goes that way. <laughs> I don't and know. then Morgan goes, cool. ha ha, you fell for my trap. You know, the next, our episode graphic and the next episode is going to be Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck. 
I did want to say one thing. It's the dumbest thing. Dragon fruit is a type of cactus. It's kind of cool. Little cool factoid. This is me. Until I found that out, I was kind of like, oh, this is an exotic fruit from distant <laughs> land. It's like, no, it's right. You can get it in Texas. It's right there. Yeah. <laughs> you can, Okay. I've uh, never eaten then, one before. Oh, it's, never, it's good. I've never had yeah. one. Are they? Is it sweet like a fruit, like you would expect fruit to be? I heard it was kind of bland. Uh, yeah, it's not. It's not. Uh, it's not too sweet. So it looks it's, it's, much cooler than it tastes. <laughs> it, no, it tastes good. It's it's okay. pretty good. Yeah, and it, the fact that it lasts a long time too in your fridge is great. Oh, nice. So it's not overly sweet. It's pretty good. I, like most cactus. I mean, I've I've eaten a lot of cactus. I uh, have never good. eaten cactus. It's some some are sweeter than others. It's pretty cool. But I did want to say something about Milas. Uh, Milas and his boys that Eli and Wayne and Ween <laughs> mentioned at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> Milus is Latin, is, is from the root word amulus, which means rival, rival or competitor. I thought that was okay. kind of a cool, okay. like, because it's such a weird, random name, but it's it not It is random. very weird. But it's yeah. not random. Milus, Milus, Milush, See? Milosh. See, he's a perfectly, a perfectly good brand new name that we've never heard before. Right. We didn't have to just, recycle anything. It was wonderful. We'll never see him ever again. Great. Rival, imitating, or competitor. That's competitor is a better word too. Competitor for what? I guess dragon fruit. Hmm. But <laughs> let's let's talk about the end. I, we were just about to sign off, but I was just thinking to myself, okay, it looks like the stalkers make a deal with the dark horses. Is that what they call the dark horses? Yeah, what they called. The dead I keep horses. thinking there's another I mean, word. Dark horses. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, what what do we think is going on here? Because first of all, these are the same people who have that leaky nuclear warhead. Uh, okay, mm -hmm. let's put that in the back of our minds. We may have seen the leader. That could be the guy, and his name is either Arno or Arnold or. He sounds a lot like John Anderson, I think. Do you, him, you know who I'm talking about? This voice, this person's voice was so familiar to me. And I and I purposely did not look up who it was because I still want to I want to continue thinking about it unless you're going to spoil it for I, me right now. I, I, no, I, I didn't look oh, it up. Okay. But it sounded okay. to me like, have you ever seen? It sounds so familiar. He, he's from Office. Like, okay, I think it's, because I have a, a knack for finding out uh, celebrity voices, like when you don't know who it is. Like like in cartoons and stuff like that. Yeah, he yeah. Sounds a lot I have like, an ear uh, for that too. Do you remember... Um, Oh, what was that cartoon, that Mike Judge cartoon with the four Texan dudes? Uh, King of the Hill. Thank you. King of the Hill. It sounds like John Anderson, <laughs> the guy, the ball, the male pattern ball in this guy. And the... Bill, um, Bill Dotrieve. Yeah, yeah. He also is in Office Space. He's like, the and he also is in Man in the High Castle. He that's is, Stephen Root. Is that Stephen Root? Okay, that's Stephen Root. Yeah, I thought it was, I don't know why. I think his name is John but Anderson. Bill, he doesn't, he doesn't do Bill Dotrieve's voice. Oh, then who does? I thought it was him. I don't know why I thought it was him. He's, he's was been the, in a bunch of stuff. He's the guy. Yeah. Oh, he's the, th he's the stapler guy? Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he's been in a bunch of stuff, though. Like, I, he's got that face. I never knew his name. And he has such now. a great, but his flexible face, voice, yeah. too, by the way. Yeah. It is so good. So, And he is the man in the high castle in the man in the high castle. He was the boss in News Radio, too, the oh. guy that owned the radio yep, station. Yep, yep, yep. Yes. Man, so, that was a wow. good show. What a that long a career. Show. So, and he looks so good for a man who's had this long of a career. Anyway, so I, th yeah, I think it look better as they age. Fuckers. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it's for the podcast listeners. I did a thumbs up and then I went, ooh, no, thumbs down. No, but I, he, it sounds a little bit like him. 
That if I had to take a guess on who it was, and that would be really super cool to have Steven Root on the Fear of the Walking Dead. That would be. Like, cool. I, I think that would that would be a voice that I would recognize, but not be able to to pinpoint because I didn't know his name until just now. So mm. yeah, but but you knew ooh, ooh. not by cool. face, whatever you knew by face, not by name. Right. I would know him by face. Yeah. 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 Or by voice, <laughs> right? Well, and that's why, uh, that, yeah. I mean, it's whoever's under that mask. I'm, I'm gonna know who it is. I'm telling you. I'm, or they, or they sound like someone else. I, I don't know. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm content not knowing until yeah. it happens. I'm, uh, I'm fine with yeah. that. Yeah, I don't want to look it up. I'm not gonna spoil myself. Yeah. I want to keep. Well, let's thinking let's about continue it. on this narrative though. Like what. I, I had a feeling or a thought that these people are with Alicia at first. And then I wonder why, what hmm. would be the purpose or, well, and they're looking for Padre too. Well, right. and that's to say, has Alicia found Padre? It could be that, that she hasn't, but it's an idea or a concept that she's still looking for. So it is a possibility that she's with these people. What do you, what do you think of that? I, I'm not, I'm, I don't know if they're with her or not. If I had to, if I had to answer right now, my gut is saying no, no, that they're, right. that they're not too. with Alicia. But is it possible? Of course, it's possible. The first thing I noticed was that these stalkers, their clothing to me looked different than the stalkers we have seen prior. Like the first stalkers we see, I, and I don't know if it's like the coloring or what, but they Probably. seemed like they were covered in like a lot of plastic, yeah, right? Like, like the, sheets of plastic. Oh, well, like, okay. pl- like plastic sheeting almost. And then these yeah. guys are covered more in cloth and coats and drab and, and the and the potato bag that Ginny uses as yeah, a sling. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. That's exactly what I was trying to say. Yeah. Um, so I, w- I was even thinking, like, are these the same people? Are these stalkers? I mean, there is. I like the little tiny, there's almost a little bit of a nod to the Tusken Raiders on Star Wars. Right? Mm-hmm. You saw that, Sharon? Yeah. You felt yeah. that? Mm-hmm. Okay. With the, with the, especially with the, the yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. You know I had to do it. You know I had to do it. Okay. <laughs> then there's the obvious question of like, okay, what's the deal with stripping and then uh, districting all these naked walkers everywhere? What? Is there a smoke screen? Uh, is there a purpose to this somehow? Yeah. What's the, the deal with stuff, the nuke? The taking stuff makes sense to me, but redistributing the bot like them around—that's where I'm like, what? Why? Oh, 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 or okay, I, I have something. I have something. I don't know what the naked shit's all about. I, I that's completely lost on me. But district <laughs> spreading them around makes a little bit of sense if we were to narratively compare that to Victor's Tower. If we spare them around, we have enough of a threat in certain areas for some reason. I don't know why, but what are they trying to do? Because they haven't found Padre. So why district them? Why send these naked walkers everywhere? Why hold them in pens? A A to whatever, A to Z, let's say. I don't know. But narratively, I can see already some sort of comparison with Victor's Tower and having the mode of walkers. Okay, so what are they protect? What are they trying to protect here? Then I thought of something else. We keep thinking of the nuclear warhead as a, as a possible weapon. But what if? What if we draw some comparisons to the Walking Dead World Beyond and say, well, maybe they're using the warhead to power, let's say, like a nuclear factory or a nuclear power plant. What if they're, that's what they're doing? Or maybe they're being hired by the CRM. Okay, now I'm breaching. But I always thought the CRM hired Ginny to create the fuel for the CR. It was never really fully fleshed out. But I thought of that in season five. I thought that maybe there would be a connection between the CR and Ginny's people. But we never, we never went there. Mm-hmm. 
and I was like, what's the, what is the deal with controlling the fuel? Like, I get, I guess maybe the idea of transportation and civilization, they're connected. Like if we can reach far places with our cars and gasoline to make more fuel, we can be more interconnected, even though we're far away. There is something to be said about creating roads, like the game civilization. When you create roads between settlements, you can get there quicker, safer, etc. So there's some logic to that. But then when Ginny came, when Logan and the fuel idea came around and Ginny came around, I always thought in the back of my mind, I'm like, what? They could have made this bigger than it is and said like, okay, Ginny is making the fuel not just for civilization. She's also making the fuel for the CRM because then they get benefits. They get food and, and, and stuff and things and, and things <laughs> like that. But they ne it never went there. So I dropped it from my mind and I, I, I feel robbed. I feel like I, I really wish I'd said this sooner, but maybe they might bring this back again. Maybe the, the idea of fuel is something to be told about. Maybe the stalkers work for the CR or the CRM, let's say. Maybe they're making nuclear fuel for their lab in Portland. <laughs> Padre maybe is another code for, for Portland, Maine. Sorry, for Portland, Texas. <laughs> so I'm Because I, I say this because maybe it's not the thing. Maybe it's maybe when you see nuclear warhead, you think danger, danger, danger. You think weapon. Maybe they're using it for some other purpose. You know, maybe there's not saying altruistic methods or whatever, but maybe there's some other purpose for this nuclear warhead that isn't destruction. Maybe it's creation. Like we said about Alicia beforehand, the end is the beginning. Maybe she's using it as a beginning, not an end. <laughs> maybe Alicia's in control this whole time. Maybe she's drank the Kool-Aid. Our girl Alicia. Rachel's looking at me very side eye like right now. It's like, why do you want her to be bad? I don't want her to be bad. The show makes me think that she, she, she's going to be bad. I'm just saying. No, I'm just sitting here thinking, like, if they plan to use this leaky warhead for anything, how do you how do they, how do you contain it? How do you contain the gases that are spewing out? How do you make that usable? Mm. They must have somebody that knows about this stuff, if anything. I mean, if, if you're going to handle these things, you have to have somebody that knows about this stuff. They could always right. enlist Grace. Oh, <laughs> oh, hmm, interesting. I, I don't think there's anything else to say. Maybe Grace even is the Grace, key to all this. Even Grace with the know-how would still need ah. the equipment to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Grace can figure that shit. Grace can do, like Morgan, can do anything. <laughs> with, with the right equipment, though. She would still need the proper reference. equipment to, to do anything yeah. with it. You think of Morgan's nuclear keys. Well, I mean, yeah. I, I'm assuming the facility, well, let's say I'm making, I'm making leaps here, but yeah, I'm assuming Padre may, may also reference nuclear power. Nuclear power is, happens to be a really good, unrisky power source, contrary to popular belief. If you have the manpower to maintain such a thing and safety protocols and the updated facilities, I mean, what are we waiting for here? What are we doing here? I mean, power, I mean, just like what Ginny was trying to do with roads and fuel, if you have power, you can, this is like the whole basis of uh, the show Revolution. Like, I don't know if you ever got to see it. I have like, seen it. Right? The whole basis <laughs> of the show was power, the, the idea of combustion, just, I think combustion, right? Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, God, gasoline powered was... combustion oh, went yeah, out yeah. so they couldn't make electricity. Right. Or the, the means by which to make electricity was just gone. Oh, sorry. I think I just spoiled a plot point. Um, but it's cool to see what happens to civilization. But if you can get civilization, you know, boot up, you know, again, and you're responsible for that, well, then you, you can, well, just like Victor, you can control certain things, you know? Hey, you got the power, you got the, you got the, 
got the magic wand to do things. You know, people are going to follow you. I just want to end off with one thing. Maybe Jamrock isn't just about, like, obviously it's not just about Jamaica. The idea that there's a, maybe Padre isn't what it's cracked up to be. Because you have to remember, Mickey is looking for Padre too. And so bringing up all these puzzle pieces together and the idea of this could be the Jamaica vacation retreat that we're looking for, it may not be. You know, all that glitters is not gold. Maybe it's to achieve the thing that they need out of Padre, they have to go through a lot of pain. So oh, that would be very fitting for fear. Give well, us hope and then crush universe. us with it. Yeah. <laughs> it's the hope that kills you. That's yeah. right. Hope in it. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Maybe. That's Iris. Oh. It's the Iris that kills you. Wait. It's, it's. Ho- that's what you get. Yeah, that's what you get. And. Shut up, That's Iris. what you get today. <laughs> if you like what you heard, head over to ratethispodcast.com slash squawking dead. Five stars in an Iris. I mean, an eggplant is all <laughs> we need to know that you love us. Uh, that would be the poop emoji. Tell us what we got right. Tell us what we got wrong. <laughs> Just tell us after every episode. It really is clearly making a difference, judging by our chartable <laughs> in uh, Austria and Canada. And it really has helped. You, you spreading the word, sharing these podcasts, sharing these YouTube videos has helped. And you know what? I'm not saying it has helped. Stop. No, please continue to because we're obviously, I'm saying this, I'm being very bold in saying this, we're obviously the best Walking Dead Universe podcast on the internet right now clearly we know it but the problem is the world doesn't know it and we need your help we do need your help and hey once you're done sharing these podcasts and these videos and you really really want to be a part of this thing what the thing that we're doing this awesome best TWU podcast that is out there head over to ko-fi.com create an account and follow us at ko-fi.com slash squawking dead just follow us you'll get to know when we have a recording session scheduled you can get the unedited episode recordings ahead of time so you don't have to wait till next week to hear this because you probably have AMC plus and you want to know what we think uh, and you get it unfiltered you get some BTS in the process you get some pre-show you get some pro- post-show you get all the edits in between where I said hey stop I do that again you get all that and hey if you want a piece of that action you can tip us and get supported back content for 30 days or you can join a membership tier for as little as a dollar a month join our discord along with a whole set of perks i've been your host david cameo i've been joined by cosmom09 rachel burt and Charity, Gabe gardner and mario in the chat thank you buddy hey i think you I think you hung in there until the end I think he's still yeah, here. He's still there. He's still here. You, you are something else, man. You are <laughs> something else. I'll tell you that much. That's staying in. Thanks, Mario. But you guys can be something else, too. <laughs> Join us on this ride. Anyway, we'll see you next time for our Walking Dead World Beyond. I cannot wait to talk about that episode, by the way. Oh, my God. These episodes just get better and better and better. Ooh, join us for that one, too. We'll see you guys in that one, hopefully, very, very soon. Oh, have a good day at work, Mario. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Gotta go to work in an hour. Crazy. I'm hoping he woke up super early. <laughs> that's that's my hope. Okay. I know it's not the case. <laughs> Take care, everybody. See you in the next one. Thank you so much for making it to the end of this episode, the fifth episode of Season 7 of Fear the Walking Dead, titled Till Death. Uh, you were joined by me, David Cameo, as well as Cosmom09, Rachel Burt, and Sharon D, a.k.a. Blazy Gardner. This episode has been made possible by our Survivors tier members. 
who would be <laughs> Aliza Jones 71 on Instagram, Whispers UK on Instagram, and jasmine.iac on Instagram. But don't fret. <laughs> this episode has also been brought to you by our Whispers tier members. That would be Aiden underscore Atkin underscore on Instagram. Tyler Philip Cox on Instagram and Twitter. He has a show called Let's Talk About the Dead, a YouTube channel, as well as Judith.Morton on Instagram and none other than fanart underscore Lindy on Instagram. Check her out. She is on fire. Uh, well, what are membership tiers? They are a means to support the podcast, but also a means for you to get involved in the podcast. As you just listened to uh, the Whispers and Survivors tier members get credits at the end of the episode. Obviously, the Survivors tier members get them first because they also have the ability to join us in our episode breakdowns on camera, on mic. And uh, Whispers, well, along with Survivors, they both get full Discord access uh, as well as 50% off the merch store whenever they want. Uh, but there is a tier for everybody, a catch-all that includes many, many perks. That would be the Walkers tier. For just a, as, as little as a dollar a month, you get to be in the chat as we record these episodes, lending your insights, and you get the unedited episode recordings when they're done. All for you, for you to enjoy. Uh, as well as other things like our ringtones for free. You get the un unlisted clips channel, which contains clips from Squawking Dead Past, as well as present and future clips, as well as a few bonuses. Oh, and you also get the live playlist, which contains all the unedited episode recordings from the past, uh, prior to when we even started ko-fi.com slash squawking dead. Yeah, that's right. That's the website. That's the website you should follow. ko-fi.com slash squawking dead. Follow us there. You don't have to buy us a coffee. You don't have to join a membership tier. But if you just follow us, you'll be in the know for when we actually set up our recording sessions, for when the actual episode, unedited episode recordings drop. And if you feel like it, if you feel like this is the moment, this is the moment you ought to join, you can still just tip us, buy us a coffee, and get 30 days of access try it out and if you feel like it again you can join that wisp walkers here for as little as a dollar a month more if you like uh and you can get continuous access but more than anything else just following means that we're worth listening to we're worth investing at some point and even if you don't have the money it's just a good good way of knowing what we're doing behind the scenes we want you to be more involved we want to get your feedback we want to know that you want to know us in any case, uh, I've been your host, David Cameo. Thank you for listening, and uh, we'll see you in the next one. <laughs>